and welcome to the Beginning by Thinking show. Joining me today is Anderson Silva, Stoic philosopher with two, soon to be three, published books and host of the Stoicism for Better Life podcast. He also writes weekly articles on how to apply ancient wisdom to your daily life. It's safe to say you're a fan of the Stoic philosophy. But what does that mean? So I'm going to start by asking you the big, broad question, which is what is Stoicism? Right. So Stoicism, uh, if I give a quick uh, 30 second history lesson here, um, you know, after the agricultural revolution, when we settled down, there were some people that had enough time in their hands to uh, think about why we're here and what we're doing. Uh, and in ancient Greece, this really took off after this little known guy named Socrates. And uh, there were four major Hellenic philosophies, one of which was Stoicism. And the whole idea behind Stoicism is if I can boil it down to one sentence, trying to tap into our rational mind as opposed to thinking with our primitive animal brain uh, as often as possible, which fits really nicely with your uh, podcast here, where thinking for yourself, uh, I think it makes a really nice overlap. So what does that actually consist of though? Okay, so if we look at, I mean, in philosophy, we have this dichotomy of um, the body and mind, okay? Uh, we see the body and mind as two separate things. And a lot of different philosophies, uh, you know, uh, uh, see it this way. Uh, religions too, you know, uh, if you look at Christianity, for example, they'll see uh, the spirit inside. For sure. And then there's the uh, ephemeral uh, body, right? Uh, so um, Rene Descartes famously uh, studied this uh, duality and dichotomy. Um, also, if I can plug it in, my second book is entirely about this. It's called Your Dichotomy. Uh, excuse me, your duality within. Um, it's in, entirely the study of the rational mind versus the primitive animal brain. Because um, you now, if I bring it back to Stoicism, the starting point, one of the starting points is to uh, accept the reality that we're social animals with a capacity for reason. Now, that punch, uh, that packs a lot of punch, that sentence. But the important parts are we're animals. First and foremost, we're animals. We're predominantly hairless, uh, bipedal monkeys. Right. Yeah. Um, and we still have those instincts from millions of years ago. Uh, you know, when we get angry, the monkey inside of us wants to pick up a stick and hit someone in the face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or turn around and run away. That's the primitive animal mind. Um, you know, it's the lizard brain, if you will. Uh, and then there's this capacity for doing better, thinking better. Right. There's this mind inside of us that thinks, okay, uh, uh, an eye for an eye will make the world go blind. So I, I, I have the choice not to pick up that stick and hit someone. What would be the right thing to do, right? There's the primitive side that wants to eat all the bread because you're hungry. And then there's that higher faculty that's like, okay, I'm hungry, but those kids over there also look hungry. Let me maybe share this loaf of bread, okay? So this extra little bit inside of us, which we'll get into more throughout the podcast, is what we refer to as a rational mind. You can call it a consciousness. If you're an atheist, you can call it a soul. If you're uh, uh, religious, you can call it a spirit. If you're spiritual, call it whatever you want. But undeniably, we have this extra bit that has a capacity for better and better by our own subjective standards, right? That's the part of us that makes us happy. Uh, the animal side makes us happy right here, right now. And the higher faculty makes us happy in a much broader sense and gives us longer lasting joy. And so we try and tap more into that brain. See, this is something that to me, it sounds like either something that I can be really on board with or really mm -hmm. against. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I could see, I, I do believe that the animal side does have its benefits, right? Because sure. there is a reason why animals survive in the world. Sure. Uh, and, and occasionally, not all the time, but, it, but occasionally something like revenge, might be the best option. So, mm -hmm. so is revenge ever the best option in Stoicism? Uh, simple answer. Uh, there is no right answer. Okay. If we're talking about uh, revenge falls into the realm of ethics, all right. And in philosophy, any ethical uh, decision falls into one of three categories. Either it's uh, uh, deontology, which means rules, as in revenge is never a good thing, right? It's one of the commandments that you never seek revenge, whatever, whatever, you always turn the other cheek. The second one is uh, consequentialism. So you think about the consequence and you think, no, no, you know, uh, this guy um, stole one of my pigs. I'm going to go steal two of his pigs. It's only fair. 
uh, I'm going to feel better about it. Or you can think consequentially, okay, if I steal two of his, then he's going to escalate and steal three of mine, and then where does it end? So that's the consequentialist type of thinking. The third option, which is where stoicism fits, is what we call virtue ethics, meaning there's no right answer, okay? And every situation is so unique. All of our lives are so unique. And this is what speaks to me about stoicism, and I think why so many people are able to use it um, as a guide on top of what they already believe. Uh, because it never tells you how it should be, never says, and I know there's this common misconception out there of stoicism being like a tough guy philosophy, no emotions, you know, that's not true. It's a yeah, philosophy that's the, uh, of stereotypical thing, thing that, that I avoid to all emotion. Um, <laughs> exactly. That, that, is, that is my acknowledgement of stoicism, which uh, right, I right. would be the first to admit I, I know hardly anything. And I'm, right. sure, I'm sure there's many people that will listen to this who will also not even know what the word stoicism means. Right. So, so clearly, clearly, you, uh, clearly you like the, the philosophy enough to, 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 and believe in it enough to, to wish to help people uh, right. and to, uh, to, to almost give some form of proposal to people to say, look, this might just increase your... Uh, good mental health this might help your life you might benefit from this so so mm -hmm. what was it that that um that started you uh, that, that, that made you start looking into stoicism okay so um the story of how i got into stoicism i didn't actually go looking for it actively much like most good things in life i fell into it as first excuse me I, I, sorry for lack of oh no words. this is explicit you can say whatever <laughs> you like dude whatever you like sure um, so, you know, if I go back 10 years ago, I was a typical North American capitalist wet dream. Okay. Uh, atheist, uh, super hardworking, got the grades, got the six figure salary, had the house, had the family, nice car, everything. Okay. I had it made by society standards of what I'm supposed to have to be made. Okay. I had accomplished everything I'm supposed to, to be happy. And yet I still wasn't happy. And uh, I slowly went on this journey of self-education, if you will, just, just by reading to, to figure out like, okay, why do I still feel this emptiness? Why do I still feel hollow? I don't, you know, I feel good in the moment, but when I go to bed at night, I don't feel so hot. You know, I don't feel bad necessarily, but something's missing. So uh, fast forward to a vacation. I was going on to Cuba and I literally jumped on Amazon and just bought a bunch of books that were being, you know how Amazon AI goes, it'll just yep. recommend stuff. Yep. So I was literally just click, click, buy now, buy now, whatever. I didn't even look at it twice. And I picked up this book on, uh, while I was down there called Letters from a Stoic, written by Seneca, like 2,000 years ago, okay? Think about mm. the, our history. This is written 2,000 years ago. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, dude, this, this sounds eerily familiar like this makes mm. sense today yeah and that's what led me down this rabbit hole of uh stoic philosophy uh fast forward five years later i wrote uh i started writing my uh first uh, articles uh and then books and what happened is i saw that there's this huge appetite out there for people like me who are agnostic uh who are, don't want to have you know it's hard to put faith in something when you want concrete answers yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm very logical, you know, scientific person. And it just, it's something that made sense to me. So uh, I found it funny how you said capitalist wet dream. <laughs> yeah. Quite, a, quite an interesting take there. Uh, would you say that you're a, a happy person now? Do you still have that emptiness or, or what was it that filled that void? Right. So I'm definitely, I mean, happy is subjective, right? Uh, I like to think I'm happy, you know? I'm certainly a lot less anxious. Um, I'm a lot more grounded. I certainly, I laugh a lot more. I feel better uh, about myself. I go to bed, uh, which is one of my goals every night, uh, truly feeling okay uh, if I don't wake up tomorrow. I, um, every day I'm like, I live my life good. This was a good day. I could not wake up tomorrow and feel fulfilled. If I somehow was looking at myself from some astral projection, looking down at how I lived my life, I'd say, yeah, that was pretty, pretty righteous. Good job. So um, Seneca, he's an interesting yes. character. <laughs> yeah. Tutor to Nero, um, yep. who, who is obviously infamous for raping kids and uh, as well as 
having sex with his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, towards the end, he, he forced Seneca to kill himself, right? Yep. yep. Um, one, thing, one thing he promoted was uh, suicide. Yes. He said that if you... And this is the, the one video of stoicism I watched on YouTube, by the way. So, <laughs> so don't think I'm some hidden expert. I, I really am not. But, but one, sure. one quote that I remember was, if, you're, if you can't find your uh, path to destiny or something, you, all you need to do is turn your wrists over. Yes. Now, do you think when it gets to that point, stoicism becomes quite dangerous? Uh, no, because... Uh, so, okay. Anything can be dangerous if you take a quote out of context. So if you take that quote out of context, it can be dangerous. Uh, You know, another quote that I keep close to heart, uh, I remind myself often from Epictetus is, if you ever want the exit, it's no further from your wrist, right? Um, Along the same lines. Uh, So taken out of context, much like all of the other good stuff, like, you know, be tough, go through life, has given stoicism that kind of toxic macho, uh, go through life with a stiff upper lip and don't feel emotions kind of uh, bad, wrong publicity. Uh, this can be taken really badly saying, you know, uh, because the beginning of this philosophy, much like the cynics, is nihilism. First and foremost, we have to accept how insignificant we are. Okay. And that can get very depressing. Yeah. Uh, we're when not you think special. about things. Really? Yeah. yeah. When you put it in the cosmic, in the cosmic um, uh, scale of things, and even in the, the, our human species scale of things, we are not special. Yeah, we're unique. We're, each one of us is unique and there's beauty in our uniqueness. But my narrative is not special or any more important than anybody else's. So uh, you first have to kind of come to this uh, acceptance. Now, why do and, and look, uh, so on my right arm, I, ha- I have two tattoos on my forearms that, that remind me of stoic uh, axioms that are very important. Okay. And on my, I'm right-handed. The very first one I put on my right arm is memento mori. Remember death. Okay. It's one of the key stoic precepts we have. So stoicism keeps death, including suicide, very, very close to heart. But here's why. Not because there's a sense of uh, a dark, morbid sense of humor, but because uh, the entire purpose of the philosophy is to use your rational mind in the present moment. Okay. Um, There is no past. The past is memories. The future is uncertain and hopes and fears. The present is the only time when you're actually alive, okay? when you're actually involved in this reality, whatever it may be, right? I think, therefore, I am. Cogito ergo sum. Rene Descartes uh, summarizes this beautifully in his, in his work as well. And so when we try to focus in the present moment, um, it's hard. It's hard because we get distracted with what am I going to do next? What am I going to do tonight? What am I, I got to pay these bills. I got to go do this. I got to do that. So by reminding ourselves constantly that death is around the corner at any time, uh, it makes us more grounded in the present moment that is a gift. And, and, and I truly, this really changed my paradigm uh, in how I approach my task. So for example, right now, my conversation with you is about the most important thing in my life. I, nothing else matters right now. I because feel I honored. Give, <laughs> uh, I want to give uh, James and his listeners all the information that I can to give them more knowledge in their pursuit of wisdom. There's nothing else that's important. I'll deal with everything else later on. Okay. Now, the small offshoot of suicide, uh, and I believe in assisted suicide. I'm an absolute proponent of it. Why? Because life is not about quantity. Okay. And in North America, we're all about quantity, right? But it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And uh, one day, you know, when my brain conks out, but my body's still there, I sure hope uh, people follow my last will and testament wishes and, you know, help me pass on. Uh, I don't see the purpose of my body being alive if my rational mind is not plugged in the moment, living a virtuous life. And that's what those quotes are really trying to say. Well, with, with, as far as the uh, assisted uh, suicide argument is concerned, there are some, uh, some, uh, some pretty dangerous red lines as far as ethical issues appear, because mm-hmm. you, you can always get the, the odd one or two, and it could possibly more, be more than one or two people uh, who are just mentally unstable and, and don't know what they're doing. 
Absolutely. Know, in, in most cases of uh, suicide victims who manage to survive, when, when they jump off the bridge itself, they, uh, they say, I wish I never did it. Yes, absolutely. So uh, again, let's put it into context. Um, assisted suicide doesn't mean that every request will be, you know, someone might even be forced into it. The paperwork might be forged. You know what I mean? There's no perfect answer. Um, conversely, if you don't have that option, think about how many, how many senior citizens are living in pain and misery that don't want to be alive. Yeah, um, I mean, we all have family members, grandparents that they say, I just, I just want to die. I just want to, you know, like it's not fun. It's not fun for them. It's not, uh, there's no more value added. Uh, and it's only out of guilt and shame that we don't actually uh, accept uh, the, the passing on. And if you look at all past cultures, uh, pre-Christianity, death was totally accepted. It's a normal part of life. And yeah, you either add value to the world or you, you don't. And when you get to a point where you don't add value, why do, you, why do you have to be around? So my personal choice would be not to be around, but it doesn't mean that you force that on everyone else either, right? Mm. Hence virtual ethics. Okay, so I have a few few questions floating in my mind right now. I'm just trying to figure out which one is the most appropriate to ask at this very moment. Uh, I would like to go back to when you said you were a capitalist wet dream. Yes. Has your position on capitalism itself shifted since you yes. uh, found Stoic philosophy? How yes. so? Uh, so, um, and, and this is not, you know... Uh, not just because of stoicism. Okay. Uh, it has to do with my uh, self-education. All right. Mm -hmm. But stoicism is a big part of it. And I don't, I wouldn't refer to myself as a stoic, right? I'm a stoic student. I, I, I apply stoicism as well as other uh, philosophies and, and, and sciences and whatever, what have you. Mm. Uh, so why has my stance on capitalism changed? Um, because uh, my, definition of good has changed because of my education and my upbringing i mean look in north america do tv shows um uh, school um parents you know uh, uh grab the bull by the horns go get that bread even games you know we grew up playing monopoly how to tax yeah. people more and make money you know so money literally was the only good it was all about making more money and it didn't matter if you're unethical. And this is why we see so many unethical behavior starting with simple taxation rules uh, because it's all based on the bottom line of trying to make more money. And part of my, um, in my, in my self-education process, what I've done is uh, what I've committed to myself is to go back and actually read the original text. So I keep looking to my right over here because I'm looking at my library where the wealth of nations, uh, which is the Bible for capitalism, is sitting right next to the communist manifesto and mm. i read the original thick boring ass documents and uh actually, surprisingly i found a lot of overlap between the two the, mm. you know and this is a discussion i love having with people because people you don't know they only know what they've heard in propaganda and they're like well hold on a second they're not the same but anyways um so my disagreement with capitalism quote unquote i know it's a podcast so you can't see me doing the air quotes here <laughs> uh <laughs> um it's not of with capitalism itself because the way it was written uh in the 1700s was and it was written in your neck of the woods actually right yeah um yeah it was uh like there's this whole section about taking care of the masses that's completely ignored today there was this whole section about the government taking care of the people, uh, providing minimal education, uh, health, uh, and all this stuff. And education, not education as we have it, but education on what to buy, how to spend money, where to spend it, right? Uh, to, uh, education on, no, don't buy the cheapest thing from China, buy locally to support the local economy, this type of stuff. Mm. All of this is ignored, okay? So um, I'm a socialist, and by Canadian standards, I'm a socialist, which makes me like super radical in the States, I guess. Uh, but a lot of these old texts, whether they're socioeconomic or, or, uh, or philosophy or spiritual religion, they all have a huge overlap in wanting to support and take care of, of the, the people. The people are the largest mass group uh, of your society. And the way we do, quote unquote, capitalism today has nothing to do with the people, none whatsoever. It only has to do with you, yourself, and yourself. 
And uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, see, I, I'm fully aware that, that capitalism has numerous flaws, right? Yeah. And, and, and in order to have rich, you have to have poor. And, right. and it's almost inevitable that, that uh, most of the money is going to float towards 30% of the people, probably even less. Right. Uh, and I can fully understand and empathize with those flaws. But my fear is whether you, you'd be jumping out of the pan and into the roaring hot fire of Marxism, right? which, which uh, is known to be an incredibly dangerous ideology you know even with the ussr though they managed to you know erect themselves as this massive powerhouse they were only right. stumbling forward you know they were they were destined to fail and and they failed quite suddenly and, and quickly right so um to, to make a few distinctions here first of all um if we you know ussr when you say socialism everyone thinks communism uh, what the USSR and communism was to socialism is what the USA is to capitalism. They're both corrupt, extreme mm. cases of these. Well, well socialism ideas. is a is a very umbrella term. You know, you can have. It is exactly. There's, there's also two two divisions of communism as well. You have anarchist communist and uh, traditional communist. Sure, you know? sure. So, so socialist is into... the umbrella term that holds classical Marxism, communism. You know, it. it depends on social democracy, all of those things. It depends exactly. on where you are in the socialist scale. Exactly. Uh, I mean, socialism is a huge umbrella with communism, just, you know, one tiny part of it. Um, uh, the point I'm trying to make quickly here is, and we're getting away from stoicism here, but yeah. um, the, the, um, my idea of socialism has more to do with, uh, and, and the way I present it to people is I have two dots, okay? Uh, they're fed every day. Okay. They go to a vet once a year and they have a dry place to sleep in every night. Okay. No human being in the world should live worse than my dogs. Period. That's my idea of socialism. It's not about having a giant barter system like communism tried to do. It's not about, you know, uh, if you work harder, you should get that bread. Absolutely. Um, my idea of socialism actually is very close to the uh, wealth of nations. You sound, um, you sound like a traditional capitalist. You know, you, you sound like you would rather, you'd rather heal capitalism than have a complete new ideology take over the block. Uh, I'm not going to put labels on it either way. Um, but what I believe in is no human being, in the wealth that we have in the world today, no human being should be hungry or without clean water or without basic education or uh, healthcare in the world. How you get there, bro, that's a whole nother conversation that I'll, I won't even get into. I don't know enough about this. Of course, stuff. neither do I. Uh, so, so personally, what I do, uh, did I quit my job? I was a CPA. Did I quit my job? No, I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still a CPA. I just, in the way I do my business now, in the way I make my money, and in the way I spend my money, my uh, goals have changed. So that, that's really where it's changed. Okay, let's, let's sort of meander back to stoicism a little bit now. <laughs> sure. um, very interesting topic, though, and, yeah. and in, in of, of itself deserves its own podcast, really. Uh, we'll but, do another show another time. <laughs> yeah, we, we must, we must, we must. Um, okay, so regarding recent events, we won't go into detail about the recent events, but it, to anybody listening, it's fairly obvious. If you can look at the news, you can know that there's chaos happening everywhere. Mm -hmm you know, and, and you can't not see it. Do you think stoicism could help this chaos? Do you think it could bring people together to have the big conversation to, to, to sort of start to, to, to begin the healing process? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a loaded question. And of course, I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> right? Because I, I would have expected stoicism. that. Answer, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, the whole idea behind my practice of stoicism, and even in the way I discuss it in my books, it's about provoking the right questions in people. Okay. Uh, I, I do some mentoring work to both group sessions and one-on-one. -on -one. And a lot of what I do is not about providing answers or, hey, here's a cool quote from uh, Marcus Aurelius. This will help you. Not at all. It's more to provoke the right questions. And the right question has to be, fine, these guys are uh, opposed to me. 
they think differently and they're angry, but why? Let me just try and understand their point of view. And then if they do the same thing, uh, we can come to some type of agreement. At the end of the day, are we not all looking for the same thing, which is a pain-free, happy life while we're here? Is that not what we're all going after? We just have different definitions of what that is. So if we were to just have an open conversation, um, <laughs> just this morning, uh, I have a, a son and a daughter and they were bickering. He said this and she said that. And I was like, hold on, you guys. Okay, you both probably did wrong. Uh, accept what you did wrong, first of all, and try not to do it next time. And then try to understand what, why the other side is doing it. Like, come to some type of resolution as opposed to just bickering. Okay. So, uh, you know, as adults, are we any different? Do we not just look for an excuse to bitch and complain? Uh, so I think that rational thinking could really help bridge, maybe not every, every gap, but a lot of these divides. How, just, just a quick question. How do you sure. remain a stoic and have kids? Uh, how surely, do you not surely anger has to be a very big a big part of raising kids with, within discipline, <laughs> learning the rules of rights and wrongs. Surely, right? If, if they if they cross the road blindly without even thinking whether there's a car, and you're like, mm, well, we got to think about this now. You know, we got to balance mm -hmm. up the pros and the cons of when. No, surely you'd have you'd have a shout at them, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, at first, I was confused. I'm like, how does stoicism clash with having kids? But yeah, now I understand what you're you, saying. You can see why. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, I was a much angrier person because I grew up with wanting to impose my will on the world, right? We grow mm -hmm. up with the grab the bull by the horns. We grow up with if you work hard enough and long enough, you'll get what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And so anger, uh, the, the, and especially if you succeed in this kind of environment, uh, anger becomes a tool that you use. Uh, as an adult, it's very easy to be like, no, you do as I say, not, you know, yeah. Whatever, and it can whatever. get results so, as well. It can, yeah. but for how long and what type of results? So uh, stoicism has certainly made me a better father and better role model for my kids and a better husband too with my wife. Uh, and, and how can I, uh, how do I, so they run across the street. Okay, fine. My initial reaction is going to be, oh crap, you know, did they dodge yeah. it? They made it to the other side like Frogger. So I run after them. So my heart's beating. And uh, hopefully I don't respond with that primitive side of me that's anger. And today I'm most more likely not to respond with that angry side. 10 years ago, I would have absolutely answered with that angry side. Five years ago, 50-50. But here's the key. Uh, that initial reaction is what we refer to as proto-emotions. Okay, you can't control it. It's like stubbing your toe because uh, we all know this, the little toe is you know, biologically designed to find objects in the dark. So when you stub your toe at night, trying to is that walk really what it's for? I, I never do that. That is, that's quite incredible. Every night consistently, I, I prove that, that, you know, that's anyway, thing, so when you yeah. stub your toe, uh, you can't help but um, a flinch and get angry and you go, oh, son of a, right? Mm. You can't help that. But what you mm. can help is, okay, do you want to get angry and then flip the table? Do you want to get angry and yell at the inanimate object? Or do you want to take a mental note of, okay, three steps from the door and there's a coffee table to my right. Uh, which one is going to yield more results? So over time, you're able to tap more into the rational mind that even though the heart's beating, right, I still get angry. Uh, again, stoicism is not about not feeling emotions. We're animals, we feel emotions. Human beings feel emotions. You can't make them disappear. But after the initial reaction, the proto-emotion, you certainly have the option, right? We're social animals with that capacity for a reason. You have that capacity to be able to respond with the most logical way. And so when I try to educate my kids on anything, you know, screen time, games, um, um, bickering with each other, whatever it is, I find that patience or try to as often as I can to explain why. Because every rule that we put down as parents comes down to health and safety or fairness and equality. And when they understand that, they're a lot more likely to follow it. Let me ask you a question. If somebody does something because they're uh, afraid of punishment versus somebody who does something because they know it's the right thing to do, who's more likely to do it longer into their lives? And who's more likely to do it regardless of external circumstances? Well, well the answer is obvious. 
you know, <laughs> that's, that's somewhat of a rhetorical question, you know, the, 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 but then laws are very necessary. Rules are necessary. Absolutely. And, and, and it's also very necessary for somebody to see someone being punished for doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So should, and this is somewhat separate to what I just said, but should anger be suppressed? You know, uh, anger is a terrible advisor. Fear is a terrible advisor. Uh, actually, I, I stole that first one from um, uh, Mrs. Roosevelt. That's a famous quote of hers. But yeah, emotions are a bad advisor. And uh, can you suppress them? No. So nothing should be suppressed. Suppressing anything is unhealthy. It's just going to fester up and come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah. However, again, we have two parts. You have to be able to, or, or I think anyone would agree when, when they're calm, that anger is not the necessarily the best way to teach someone. And is that not what we're trying to do? Now mm-hmm. we can talk about like criminal system. You know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, how can you stop a murderer from murdering? You have to punish them. Sure. If there is justice to be sought, justice should be sought. However, we tend to look for quick solutions too often and anger tends to be one of those quick solutions, but uh, not a good solution. Okay. Um, And again, uh, again, just, it's all about virtue ethics. There's no right answer in rules. There's no right answer in consequentialism. It would really depend on each uh, situation. So we can take examples and discuss them. I use, I'm using my kids a lot because real life examples. Yeah, um, good example to use. It's, it's, it's more about taking in all the information you have, including your emotions, but not to ignore everything else because of your emotions. You see what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. It all, all makes sense, but... Again, uh, what what I'm doing here is I, I'm going off of many separate branches and uh, sure. sort of gathering my opinion a little bit. Um, I I'm a fan of tapping into the inner animal. One yeah. thing one thing I spend a lot of time doing is jujitsu, right? And yes. obviously, I can't do it at the moment because of what's happening. You know, nightmare. And I've noticed the difference. You know, when I'm when I'm fighting someone, though it's controlled, it is a fight. It, it's, it's a controlled fight to the death, really, because once you're in the bad position, that's it. That human could take you out if they wanted to, but you tap them and it's all over. Um, sure. when, you're, when you're in the middle of that battle, you are at your very core primal. You're, you're doing every single thing possible to survive. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the best way you can actually learn. So is me doing jujitsu anti-stoic because I am taking the physical route. <laughs> I am, I am tapping into the very core of the animal to, uh, right. uh, you know, to gain success and to, to learn a martial art. Right. Um, I'm going to, uh, tell you doing jujitsu, uh, though your reasons, whatever your reasons may be is actually very stoic. Because if we're trying to be able to tap into our intelligent, logical, reasonable mind, regardless of how our uh, primitive side is kicking and screaming and acting, uh, something like jujitsu was absolutely great training, if you think about it, because you're not in there just flailing your arms like a windmill trying to knock the other guy down. You're training Despite the your heart pump. Yeah. yeah, despite your heart pumping, your adrenaline pumping, and you know, you're at a certain point, you might even feel free, you know, a guy might stand in front of you and you're like, Jesus Christ, he's got the reach, he's bigger than me, what am I going to do? Mm. So you start going back to technique, uh, you know, and jujitsu, it's all about that, right? Yeah. And so it's a great way to train your um, um, prohyresis. The prohyresis is our higher faculty, it's your capacity for judgment. So instead of going in there with your primitive mind and fearing, you're going in there with your prohyresis and thinking, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to go to, for the slow point or do that or whatever. So you're hmm. calculating, you're being intelligent and logical. And does, that, does your adrenaline uh, come in as a tool? Absolutely. But you're using your logical, rational, reasonable mind to feed off of that energy because you need that to be able to flip the guy over or whatever. Mm. The moment you lose control of that and you become a primal animal is when you're going to lose the match because then you're no longer paying attention to what's happening. And that is very true. That is very, very true. 
I have I have lost the the control of the primal animal many a time in a, in a sparring <laughs> bout, and it hasn't ended well for me. So you're you're, you're very right there. Um, okay, so back to the back to the stereotype that I've that I've been taught about stoicism through right. life experience of the the macho, completely void of emotion you know suppress everything don't don't make it visible to your enemies is it okay for a man to cry in public of course why wouldn't it be do we not have tear ducts uh do we not feel pain do we not feel emotional pain well there's there's a there's clearly a, a sort of weird social embarrassment to it right but okay that's a, okay so this is great uh, I have a chapter in my third book I'm writing right now called Everybody Poops that talks about exactly this. Uh, why are we hiding uh, what we are? Why, why does one have to be ashamed of having emotions? I know you have emotions. I know you've cried in your lifetime. Uh, why do you have to come across and looking to like, what, how is it going to look any, how are you going to look any weaker to me if I'm intelligent? Uh, if you're crying, uh, standing across from me in an arena, you're still a, a, a weapon you're still uh, a trained uh, fighter. Um, I would be a fool to discount your capacity as a fighter just because you have tears coming down your face, isn't it? So that would be a reflection on the one who's judging, not the one who's crying. There, there is an undeniable emotional weakness though to someone who is, who is crying. When, when, when you are comforting someone who's crying in front of you, mm-hmm. you, you are the rock. You're, you're the one they're leaning on. You're the one who's having to help them get off the ground so to speak so there, there is a there's a clear weakness to crying because you only cry when you're weak oh now that i'm going to disagree with uh crying is well there's, there's uh, tears you know, of happiness i mean I, i'm talking about emotionally sad tears when you're when you're so down that there's nothing else you can do to cry okay i mean if if, if you've completely broken down fine sure but you can cry in public as a man because you just sent your uh, kid off to college, let's say. Is there anything wrong with that? You know what I mean? Um, being able to admit you have emotions shows more strength than hiding it because hiding it is uh, fake. You're fake. It's like uh, having an Instagram account where you're putting all your best pictures out there. It's fake. It's not mm. the real you. It shows more strength to be able to show the world, hey, this is me. Deal with it. Okay. But in a, uh, in a strategic sense, Okay. Right. Um, it's always best to, and this is a Sun Tzu quote here. It's always mm-hmm. best to appear uh, uh, weak when strong and strong when weak. Yeah. That that is, and that's something I can subscribe to. I, I think it, it makes sense from because what the world is going to get you down. It, it's not. It's not like it's willing you on. It's not on your side, is it? Um, and, and it's a fight, and it's a fight against other humans as well. So, right. so when you're displaying weakness, when you are truly weak, I don't know, it, it feels like you could be manipulated. It feels like you can, you can easily get taken advantage of, and, and then sure. you can be even further in the dump. Right. And, and now we're getting into the realm of uh, virtual ethics again, right? These are, you know, let's talk about a scenario where let's say you live in the ghetto and yeah, if you show weakness, you're going to get beat every day and have yourself stolen. This is a fact. So yeah. in that scenario, you're gonna you're gonna be like no nah, suck it up deep but is that is that faking go. it no but see that's not faking it because that you've admitted to yourself okay i have these emotions this is my objective reality that those guys are going to jump me if i show weakness i need to get to school let's say or work to 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 work to, to pay the bills and get books and better myself whatever as long as it's a conscious decision it's not weakness. What is weakness is what we all have been taught to do is like, no, men don't cry. You know, suck it up. Suck it up is the weakness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, I keep falling back to virtual ethics because it's easy to say one thing. It's, it's not a blanket statement. Yeah. Uh, 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 holding back your tears is uh, um, a sign of weakness. Okay. No, that's not true. A hundred percent of the time. But in general, in our society, men having feelings is seen as a weakness, right? I spent my first uh, 30 years, man, my brow was always like this. And I always had to put on a tough look at the office. I always had this look. 
and I hated it. And and now I'm the guy that's always like, hey, you're always smiling, man. This is really nice to talk to. And people like to talk to me more now. And, and my, my demeanor has changed. And so this is more what I'm talking about, where being able to admit you have emotions, you have fears, you have sadness, because we do, we can't, we can't deny that course, we do. Of course, everyone does. Um, yeah. is, uh, is it takes a lot more strength than uh, trying to hide it. But yeah, to your point, there are times, you know, you're not going to stand on a battlefield on the other side with your soldiers weeping, neither. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. um, contextually speaking, there are times where toughness is important. So, okay. Um, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I'm definitely glad you said that. But then surely, back to, my, uh, back to my question of, is it okay for a guy to cry in public? Say you're at a shopping mall and, and there's a man who's, on the verge of breaking down and he mm -hmm. accepts and recognizes his emotions. He knows that he's about to cry and, and, and he's fully on board with that, but then he right. holds it back because he doesn't want to socially appear as weak. Right. So right. there's no need to, there's no need to survive because you're only in a shopping mall. You know, you, right. there's nothing's going to happen if you start crying, but you recognize it, but yet you are still suppressing it. Is that, a, right. is that stoic? depends uh, in the context and even though you paint a nice picture you know what's the guy's history what kind of uh, people what kind of mall is it at you know certain places somebody might be more likely to come and, and talk and be like hey man you okay other places people might snicker and, and walk away like it, it really depends being stoic has nothing to do with how you manage your emotions it's all about the why Right. And, and, and that's why I keep flipping back to virtual ethics is you have to know why you're doing something, then you could do it one way or the other. It's quote unquote stoic, right? It's really, why are you doing it? So in that example, if the guy uh, is just, you know, uh, personally, if I'm in the, if I'm doing groceries over here and I feel like sudden tears coming on, I'm going to hold it back. You know why? Because people are going to think I'm a little loopy. And I'm going to be treated differently. And, I'm, and, and these people don't need to deal with my shit. Um, I'll go and cry to my friends or family at home, but I won't hide it from them, right? Yeah, so but from what I gather, mm -hmm. stoicism is about uh, not caring about whether you appear loopy in, in, the, in the social world. It's, it's about not caring about externals. Okay, everything isn't, isn't, is isn't appearing as a loopy person an external though. So again, we're going to go back to the why. Correct. It is an external, but um, externals involves everything, including your emotions. Your emotions too are externals. Okay. The body is an external, right? So when we say externals, let's not forget our pain, physical or emotional pain is an external. Um, so if I'm at the grocery store and I don't want to, uh, um, what's the expression, um, uh, do my laundry or, or show my dirty laundry in public, whatever, whatever, I don't want to burden these people with it because everyone else is going through their own shit. Uh, I'm not there to look for emotional support. It's not going to help my situation. It's not going to help their situation. And it's going to make it awkward for everyone. I choose to make an effort to reduce that to make the world a little better for the people around me. And that's why I don't want to come across loopy, not because I care about the image, it's because it doesn't add value. So it always goes back to the why and then the virtual ethic decision on how you proceed based on that why. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a statement and I want you to tell me if it's true or false. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, if you're being truthful to yourself, it's okay to lie to others. False false i mean uh, we're talking like why straight up if, if you're if you're completely truthful in yourself surely that mm -hmm. embodies stoicism and then lying to others is merely external uh, it, you know what I, I can't make a statement that's conclusively true or false um have you heard of Kant's categorical imperative no so he says the way you should make ethical decisions is um if you would, if lying is bad and big lies are bad, then you shouldn't even do the small white lies. You should do no lies, period, all the time, always. So um, stoicism doesn't fit with that kind of hard line. Okay. And it's another reason why it speaks to me because I don't, I, I don't agree. Like rules are fine, 
but they can never cover every scenario. And I want to be able to have that option personally to feel like I've done the best I can. Uh, I don't feel like, would you feel right? Uh, a soldier, right? A soldier kills someone and says, well, it wasn't me. It was the guy that told me to do it. I was just following orders. Yeah. It's an extreme example, but same, same way. So um, is it okay to lie to people? No. But like, if we go back to the grocery store example, putting on a facade to make the world quote unquote, just in that grocery that store area, a little a better for yeah. everyone. Yeah. So it, it, because my, um, my um, uh, why is virtuous, because my, uh, 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 what I'm trying to achieve is by my definition virtuous, it makes my actions virtuous. Now, does that mean that my why is right? Absolutely not. It's just the best why that I know of right now with everything I know, right? I, I have to accept that I'm, almost always wrong i can only improve um does that answer your question um yeah somewhat i mean i i still i'm still confused as to whether it's okay to lie to someone else if you yourself are telling the truth to yourself you're you're looking for it's sort of black a, and white answers i, I know i'm, no I, I'm asking for a i'm asking a, a question that's nearly impossible to answer and i, I fully understand that but um you know it's but the, it's the it's, typical yes and no you know yeah yeah it's it's a great question that points out so there's three reasons why stoicism really spoke to me and one of them is exactly this it's because i never in all my studies and all my research uh, you know i read a lot of philosophy religion spirituality all this stuff nothing has come close to answering every question and uh virtual ethics is where i found my peace my inner peace because at least i know i did my best with what i knew at that time doesn't mean it was the best answer doesn't mean it was the best choice and a year later i might look back and think okay had i known everything i know now back then i would have done things differently but back then i really did make the best choice i could with everything I knew using my rational mind. And mm. so that's how I go to bed every night feeling that uh, inner peace. Mm. And uh, uh, apologies for asking you such sort of really difficult questions to answer. They're almost like ultimate oh, questions, it. aren't they? <laughs> um, but it, it is just me sort of developing my opinion on stoicism because this is sure. very new to me. You know, I've, it's sure. something that I've heard of before but never even considered looking into. And, uh, sure. and after this, I'm definitely going to uh, look into it more. Um, if you wouldn't mind telling me and, and my uh, listeners, um, where, where can we find your books? Okay, so my books are available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, Kobo, uh, Audible. Uh, Jason Zenobia read my books. He did a fantastic job. Um, you know, paper, Kindle, whatever, whatever. Um, so the first two books are already out. The third one, hopefully in October, November. Uh, the pandemic kind of threw my timeline up, but We'll get to that. We'll see what happens. Uh, if you want to grab the book support, I'm an independent author. So if you want to support me, awesome. Always uh, good to do that. Uh, but all my podcasts, all my uh, articles uh, are free on my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Anderson Silver. Um, I'm on Patreon because some people do like to support me, but everything is free. You don't have to pay anything. It's uh, small exercises you can do in your daily life. And there's simple things, you know, um, uh, leave your cell phone uh, off during dinner time, for example. That's very stoic because you're more plugged into the present moment with your intelligent mm. mind, right? Yeah. Uh, podcast is the same thing. Five minute, 10 minute episodes, one exercise that you can apply in your life uh, to just feel a little bit more plugged in. Yeah. And, and doing, doing this interview as well is, is probably quite a stoic thing as well opening yourself up to to learn and uh discover a whole new realm of existence you know yeah, yeah. uh you know in, in my story again the first book i wrote so if, if you look at them you'll notice the first one doesn't have volume one written on it because it was supposed to be just a one-off book yeah. it was just to kind of get my musings out there because uh, my friends around me were kind of finding the stuff very helpful so i'm like you know what, let me get a book out there. Cool. YOLO, let's do it. And then there was such a big response. Uh, and then I started doing the group chats on Reddit. And then every week people were jumping on, like there was such a thirst and appetite. I said, let me do a little bit more in-depth coverage. So volume two and three kind of does a high level uh, modern day breakdown of stoicism from the perspective. Okay. I, I want to be clear here because again, I'm not a stoic. 
I'm a Stoic student. So I use the Stoic philosophy in trying to live a more plugged in, present, mindful, meaningful life. Mm. And there's a whole nother part of Stoicism that's more theistic. Um, that doesn't speak to me, doesn't interest me. Um, so my books, there's a lot of, there's also a lot of Eastern philosophy in them because there's a huge overlap between the two. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, um, Sun Tzu. I have some quotes from him on, on, on my third book as well. Mm. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's, the books are more, very Stoic influenced, but they're not, you know, like one, Stoicism one-on-one type of books. Where would you uh, suggest uh, somebody like me, a complete newbie to Stoicism, where would you suggest I start? Volume one, two, or three, just uh, pretending that, that there's going to be listeners in uh, October time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely the first one, your user's manual, 84 pages. Um, you know, the ancient Stoic writers were also very pragmatic, straight to the point. Uh, all the books are under 100 pages, so I shamelessly emulate them. And I, I spend a lot of time trying to reduce my manuscripts down to a manageable 100 pages or so. Mm. Uh, all the high-level ideas that we're talking about here, uh, your user's manual covers them. Um, if it piques your interest, and you can get into more, you know, the second one is about the duality within. Um, the third one is about the dichotomy of control, what I can control versus what the universe controls. Uh, so I would definitely start with your user's manual. Um, Laura. Now, I know, I know you won't like this question and I know you <laughs> won't like the way I'm going to word it because it's probably quite anti-Stoic. Okay. Um, but if you were to sort of summarize Stoicism into five or three rules, what would those rules be? you know, waking up, what would you do as a stoic? Uh, okay. So, um, I'll answer that. Um, I'm going to say as a stoic, but this is again, me practicing stoicism, right? Okay. Um, your stoicism, my stoicism, the, the most important tool. And the first thing I get people to start doing, uh, is journal, 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 journal. Uh, a journal is what we refer to as our meditation. Uh, why? Because we call that, we refer to it as checking in with yourself. Okay. If our mm. whole goal is to be present with a rational mind in the moment, uh, journaling, when you put a pen to paper, I dare anyone to try and write without actually tapping into their intelligent mind. Okay. You can draw mm. and doodle, which is where beautiful art comes from without tapping into your rational mind. Uh, you can even go on a keyboard and just muscle memory, write. But to mm. put pen to paper, you almost inevitably always tap into your rational mind. So talk to yourself, write, um, mm. not like a dear diary. I did this today, but like write your thoughts. If you have a decision to make, write it down, do pros and cons, talk to yourself because nobody, and I mean, nobody can give you better advice than your own rational mind. Yeah. So sure. that's the first one. That was, uh, uh actually one of my, uh, episode 14 of this podcast. I did a podcast titled the ladder of self-discipline. Right. Um, and it was a, a 15 day pro program actually. Uh, and, okay. and it worked on both mental and physical uh, exercise. And the last task, which was the, the uh, actually no, the penultimate task, sorry, was to spend six days writing about yourself uh, mm -hmm. and, and go into deep details on where you want to be in five years time, where you were five years ago um and sort of where you are right now and then compare the three and, and see where where you're at yeah it's beautiful. Mm. beautiful it's quite a uh it's quite a powerful thing to do when you when you sort of put your whole life down onto a piece of paper it's sort of that that one tiny bit of what was wood becomes incredibly valuable yeah 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 i believe it i believe it Listen, uh, journaling is really really uh, powerful uh it's ugly Look, when anyone starts for the first time and you just start regurgitating your ideas, it's ugly. You know, I, I look at my stuff sometimes and I look back at the first 500 pages. I'm like, man, dude, you need to, you need to go to a mental institute. Yeah, it, it, it becomes quite dear diary. And then, <laughs> oh, good Lord. You know? Yeah, it gets dark really fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that would be, uh, it, it gets better once you clear that because it's very loud in our brains. But once mm. you clear it out and you start talking to yourself regularly, um, uh, it, it becomes a, a, a really helpful guide, which brings me to the second point, uh, which is uh, you can do this in your journal or just reflect on it. Um, have daily goals. Okay. One of the things mm. in Stoicism is, again, memento mori, remember death. 
we can die at any time. We conveniently ignore this, but we can die any moment, any day. This might be the last conversation I have. Uh, today might be the last. Don't say that, man. <laughs> Don't, no. <laughs> today might be the last day I have. So I, every, day, every night when I go to bed, uh, I need to feel good about my day. Okay, it's good to have long-term goals, but I need to be okay with how I live my present moment. So have goals for your day. Okay, simple goals. Personally, uh, one that I love is make someone laugh out loud every day, like genuinely laugh out loud. It's an mm. active goal I have that I, I purposefully actively try to seek to do. Uh, give yourself five goals that make you happy, mm. um, which brings me to my third point. Uh, and this is probably the most important one. And I spend a good part of my first book on this is uh, identify your necessities. Now, what do I mean? We're uh, monkeys. We have this physical body. Uh, we need to feed it with food. We need to put some water in it. Uh, oxygen and rest it for it to heal. Okay. These are our physical necessities. If we don't do this, we die. Okay. Mm. Uh, then there's this other side in us, this higher consciousness, spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, it, and it, do we have time? Do I have 60 seconds for an exercise? Of course, exercise? you can take as long okay. as you like. Seriously, this, you can go for as long as you want cool. to. So uh, I, I used to be an atheist. And so if there's any atheists out there listening to this going, no, there is no other side. It's all physical. Then do this mental exercise. Okay, uh, and, and James, indul indulge me here. Let's say you have, uh, God forbid, uh, a horrific accident tomorrow and you lose your left arm. Okay, when you look in the mirror, are you still going to identify yourself as James? I would identify myself as armless James. <laughs> yeah, of course, and I then... identify myself as James, too. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. And so then, then let's say, yeah, <laughs> uh, facetious. I love it. It's great. You got a joke. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> Touch and wood, that doesn't happen though. No, 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 probably, no, probably jinxed myself there. So, you know. uh, and touch with the next ones don't happen either. But let's say another tragic accident happens and now you've lost all, all four limbs. You're just a nub with a face. Mm -hmm. Are you still James? Yeah, when you look in the mirror. Of course. And let's yeah. say you lose your vision um, and you can't look in the mirror anymore. But in your mind's eye, when you think of yourself, are you still James? Well, you are. Yeah. And therefore, you self identify something more something that's beyond your physical body. And that's this consciousness, this rational mind that we have, this spirit, this soul, that's something more, whatever you want to call it, is what we try and tap into. So this is, this is what kind of changed my view. On I'm still an agnostic, uh, but just I'm not an atheist thinking, yeah, the body's going to turn into worm food. And I'm not mm. saying that my consciousness is going to ascend to some angelic heaven somewhere. Um, is con and, and I talk about this in my second book, you know, is consciousness part of some greater uh, being like a carbon based life form, and it's going to go and join that is it going to just disappear? Is it just a, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter where it's going. All mm. that matters is that I know I have it. Okay. Mm. And I know it's the better side of me. Yeah, I mean, to, and, to assume the the metaphysical world is just non existent, it, it seems to be to, to be sort of stupid, really, you know, it doesn't matter, it doesn't it doesn't, you don't have to believe in it. Um, and and I sort of don't like the idea of believing in it. I, I don't like the idea of believing in God, but I, I sort of don't mind what what God stands for as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, uh, I find it hard to believe the reason I'm not religious, right? Religion, you have to believe in one God. So I find it mm. hard to believe there's this omnipotent, uh, all present, powerful being that moves the cosmos and makes the universe go around, but cares if I get a 10 speed bike for Christmas, you know, it just yeah. seems silly. I mean, there, to there's me. too many with, with Christianity, there's there's far too many faults for it to be realistic. I mean, gambling is not something that's promoted as a good person. You know, gamblers mm. aren't good people. Um, but, but then God himself gambled with the devil in, in one of the free wisdom books with the story of Job. You know, it's like, oh, okay, sure. Stick to your own rules. It seems like he's quite a, 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 an authority figure who um, yeah. is the one who punishes you for doing bad, but yet you can never punish him. And uh, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sort so, of sit well with me, I guess. Right. Uh, but the stoic answer to all of this is it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that in this present moment, I have to be a good person. None of, of that. Course. You know, we go yeah. back to the example of the punishment. Am I going to do the right thing because I want to get into heaven in an afterlife? Or am I going to do the right thing because 
it's just simply the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and it's going to benefit me as a person. Yeah. So this brings me to go back to my third point, uh, necessities. So this little extra bit that we have inside of us also has basic necessities like the physical side, but we completely ignore this. Uh, spirituality is a thing and everybody should do this. We need to take care and train this other extra bit as well. And so it, it's absolutely imperative and important that everyone takes the time to identify what their necessities are. And there's no one answer that fits everyone. Um, you know, um, we grow up with our parents telling us what it should be, our society telling us what it should be, the church telling us what it should be, the schools telling us what, whatever. But most of us, and, and this is sad, but most of us never take the time to actually think consciously and conscientiously about what's objectively important to us. And so that would be the third point. Identify your spiritual necessities. That's mm. your why. Now, that, that is a really nice place to leave off. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I've, I've just got to <laughs> ask you one more sort of question because... Sure. This, this has been something that I, I planned to ask you last night and I was thinking about this. Ah, this is a good one. Um, but then I, I sort of forgot to halfway through. So quickly, very quickly, back to suicide. Then I'll end it, I promise. I, I don't mean to sure. go into your time so much. But um, stoicism promotes that hope is a very bad thing. I Absolutely. saw a video saying hope is the opium to, to life. You know, saying cheer up is a, is a very negative thing to, to do to someone because it gives them yeah. a false hope that, that life is going to be okay when realistically it's not. Um, but doesn't, doesn't the, uh, the hope of if all else fails, you can kill yourself. Doesn't that give you hope? Uh, no, no, no. Because again, the, the whole um, quotes on suicide the, that we, we were talking about before is not about, well, man, if you screw up, don't worry, you can just take your own life. That is not at all what it's saying. Uh, what we're saying is basically, as long as you have the capacity to do good, just do good. When the time comes and you can't do good anymore, well, then the exit's no further than your risk. That's what it says. So there's a huge monumental difference between if all else fails, ah, just dead yourself. No, 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 no. Nothing close to that. Um, now, in terms of hope and why hope is so dangerous, it's because, uh, again, past is easy. Past is just memories. Past is the past. We can't change it. We tend to live too much in the future. And when I mean too much, I mean literally all the time. Uh, we're either anxious about fears of the future or we're, we're hopeful about change in the future, mm. okay? We're always thinking about how things will happen in the future. And that's why it's so dangerous. Hope and fear are the exact same thing. It's a false reality or it's not a false reality because it might come to fruition, but it's one, it's, it's your own subjective projection of how things could be. That's one of a trillion ways it could happen. And so as Stoics, because we're always focused on the present moment, Okay. Even actions are outside of your control. This is, we could have a whole episode on actions, man. But, um, you know, we focus on our intentions. You try and do something like when you do jujitsu, you try and try your best to do a takedown. If it doesn't happen because the guy was more skillful than you, it doesn't mean that you didn't do good. Your uh, prowess as an athlete is not about whether you win or not. It's about how well you train, how well you tried and how well you will learn from your mistakes to then try again next time, right? But, but winning so is a very what, useful benchmark to see to see your level. You know, if you're if you're losing every single time, you know, there, there's there's going to be a little signal saying, eh, not so great at this." Uh, I'm going to disagree because uh, winning and losing are superficial constructs. They're a superficial construct of our society of our imagination. I know, but it, but it, but it can definitely tell you whether you're excelling at a sport or not. It's like if you're oh, absolutely, if you're, I mean, how else are you going to know <laughs> if you're four foot three going against a six foot seven dude in basketball, you know, it, there's, yeah. there's going to be a high chance you're going to lose. And that, that should be the message for you to say, uh, basketball isn't my calling. Maybe I should look to lacrosse or something. Sure. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. So, so there is definitely again, a, a use for winning and losing. Uh, yes. Agreed. Because it is a piece of information. What I'm saying is the value of how good you were or not is not based on winning and losing, but absolutely mm, I'd agree a with good that, piece sure. of information. hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. And that, that sort of, it reminds me of a, um, a Simpsons episode actually, uh, where they, uh, go on a cruise and Bart Simpson realizes that he's only going to have one week of fun and the rest of his life's going to be absolutely awful. 
and they end up on Antarctica and uh, uh, Homer Simpson says, stop thinking about fun and just have it. Right. And then, and then pushes him down an ice slide. <laughs> then he then realizes the error of his ways and, and has a very uh, happy life. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which, which is a great place to end. So yeah, you thank go. you very much. This was a amazing discussion. I really did enjoy it. And definitely stoicism is something that I will look into a lot more. It was great talking to you, James. I appreciate you having me on. And um, if ever you want to do this again, let's do it. Thank you very much. Cheers.